And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined by Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm great. Awesome. So we've got a lot of cool e-bike and e-moto news to talk about this week. We're covering uh, several stories, some new electric bicycles that have come out, some interesting things that sort of push the bounds of legality, a topic that we've talked about a bit before. And that uh, sort of brings us into our first news story here, where uh, Van Moof's dual motor, uh, something they're calling a hyperbike electric bicycle, they've announced it's got over 10,000 reservations, and they're headed for production later this year, but it's not technically legal in many areas because it's so fast at 31 miles per hour. So uh, it's going to be an, an interesting situation here. Now, the bike can, of course, be limited to lower speeds. In the U.S., it'll probably come with a 28-mile-per-hour limit to be a Class 3 bike. And they've talked about how in Europe they can limit it down to uh, you know, even 25 kilometers per hour or 15 miles per hour. But it shows that there's some serious demand out there for these uh, high-power, high-performance electric bikes. So I know, Seth, you're really into those uh, fast, high-power e-bikes. Yeah, I mean... Like 28 miles per hour is like the edge of legal, you know, class three. And I feel like that is a very kind of medium point. Like when you're on a 35 mile per hour road and you're going 28 miles per hour or, you know, up to 28 miles per hour, it feels like you're just barely like getting into traffic. But with these bikes and and bikes similar to them, you know, in my experience, um, I use Hyper Scorpion quite a bit, uh, the Frey CC. Um, both of those bikes hit 30 miles per hour and, and a little bit above uh, on a flat surface. Um, the Frey CC will actually go like close to 40 um, if you're, you're you're pushing pushing it. Um, so, you know, I kind of wish that there was another class of bike that you know could handle 35 mile per hour traffic in a way that co- cars don't have to go around you. And you know, as we said before, like. The U.S. had that uh, neighborhood electric vehicle standard that never really took off in in a way that we kind of wanted it to. And it would be good if they could kind of like push a bike into that that uh, format Um, and and still have this. You know, I don't know, like we probably should have to register it. But like if you make it too complicated, it's nobody's going to do it because, hey, it looks like a bike and none of the local cops know the you know, the rules or whatever. So. Um, I don't know, you know, like I, I'm looking at this bike and I'm like taking out my wallet because it looks really cool. And Van Moof has a lot of cool stuff, you know, uh, not just their bikes, but like the software that goes along with the bikes and, you know, they have like gearing you can adjust with their, uh, app and they have GPS on the bike or, you know, on their S3 bikes. So, and it looks cool. Like this looks like a really neat bike. Do you think that rear wheel is bigger than the or smaller than the the front wheel? It kind of looks like it from this view. Yeah, I think it might just be sort of an optical illusion from that that ISO view. But I I agree, it does look a bit mismatched like that. Uh, So uh, Michael Van Steenberg from uh, LinkedIn asks, uh, would would they be able to release it with a governor? uh, And the user can unlock it for off-road use. And and that's what um, a lot of these like, high, you know, high-speed Bafang Ultra or, you know, Hyper Scrambler bikes do. They have, like, it's not even a governor. It's just a mode. 
and they have, you know, class three mode and uh, race mode or off-road mode or whatever. Um, Van Roof didn't really have anything like that. But strangely, they had a throttle, but you could only activate the throttle while pedaling, I think. Is that is that right? I can't remember. So I actually haven't tested the Van Moof. Um, okay. I know a while ago you, you had one. I think uh, Jeff Benjamin from 9to5Mac was also able to to test one. I haven't actually even been on one yet. So Yeah, they're uh, crazy. I, yeah, I know some of the European bikes that have the, the quasi-throttles, they do have weird setups like that. Um, also, the Go Cycle, it's got sort of like a turbo boost button. And so right. it's, it's like a, a throttle, not throttle kind of situation. But you have to be pedaling or you can do it while you're not pedaling. Uh, with the Go Cycle, you can set it up so that the boost button uh, doesn't need any pedaling. Okay. Yeah, there's something about, I can't remember what exactly it is, but there's something that um, on the on the uh, throttle that makes it legal in a class one, you know, the Van Moof is a class one bike in Europe and it has that turbo button and um, they got around it somehow. I think you have to be like moving your wheels or moving the pedals a little bit or something for it to like really engage. Um, yeah, well, they're pretty, they're pretty innovative. So I could see them, you know, doing something like that and, and finding a, a cool trick to get around it. They've always been big into designing their own bikes and, and their own features. Yeah. Yeah. Everything they do is kind of bespoke. Um, this one. So, you know, we, we have talked about this one in the past, but it is a, just a great looking bike. Um, you know, Van Move obviously Dutch. Um, they've got a little bit of that like vibe going on, but you know, full suspension, um, like very thick uh, bars, very thick wheels. It does look like a bike that can handle a 30 plus mile per hour. Uh, what is that in, in kil kilometers per hour? Uh, I think it's 50. 50 kilometers per hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I don't know. I feel like this would be a great bike to have like on 35 mile per hour roads. Um, I just hope that those 10,000 people who bought them uh, you know, don't, don't get hassled too much. Yeah. There's a certain, um, sort of with, uh, great power comes great responsibility kind right. of situation here that, you know, ride in a way that isn't going to cause problems and isn't going to draw attention to yourself. Right. And, and ruin it for everybody else, which, which is the part that I care about. <laughs> like, yeah. be, safe, be yeah. safe for your own good, but like, don't ruin it for me as well. Like that's, <laughs> that's my thing. So uh, just sure. a little bit more about the bike, uh, 700 watt hour pack. That's high, but it's not, it's not, it's seemingly not as high as you would almost think it needs. Um, you know, the hyper scorpion has a uh, kilowatt hour battery pack. What is, do you, do you remember what the Frey CC has? I think it's uh, nearly a, oh no, I think it's a 17 amp hour. So I think it would be less than a kilowatt hour. I think that would be about, 840 watt hours yeah, yeah so, so a bit, bit higher than this right so yeah i don't know um, they do so have the have... battery uh they do have the battery built into the frame here so right on the one true. hand it's it's smaller but that's how you get that really sleek looking nice design which there, to be honest is it, I... the, is it only in the down tube or is it like going up up the c tube as well or I'm not sure. I don't think they've released um, that much detail in terms of where it's located. I'm guessing it's it's mostly in the down tube, but 
to be honest, the down tube doesn't look that chunky. So right. it could be spread looks, into the top tube. The C tube looks a little bit weirdly chunky. So uh, yeah. we'll see about that. Um, uh, Vu Nguyen says, uh, would they be able to somehow classify it equivalent to a 50cc scooter and be registered the same? Um, so in some jurisdictions, a 50cc scooter doesn't need too much registration, but I think it does still need, like, you need to register it, right? In the U.S., uh, most states, you still have to register. Uh, lots of times you get away with not needing insurance or, you know, it's like a once every two or three years registration sticker. In Europe, I think that uh, you will be able to register these as uh, like a, either a speed pedelec or the first level of uh, electric mopeds. But even then, you know, there's still a decent amount of regulation. You still need a number plate on the back, that sort of thing. Right. And, and all that other stuff is what like makes it hard. You know, it's a harder sell. Like if you're serious about biking, you know, you're going to go through all the, the, the hoops, you know, the license plate, the registration, the insurance, the, all the other stuff. But if you're just like, Hey, I want to, you know, a toy to play with. It's, it's not really, this isn't really kind of what you're after. Um, we do have some more questions here. Um, Michael Van Steenberg again. Do you guys think an e-bike with uh, here? I'll bring it up here. Do you guys think an e-bike with pedals that can look in, lock into position for use as a light electric motorcycle would be street legal? Do the pedals have uh, to turn, so to speak? Uh, the, the pedals really need to turn. Um, that's kind of the base. <laughs> the base of the. Uh, I mean, we we see bikes like the. Um, the Delfast or um, just, you know, the Suron that has like the pedal kit, which is just like a, a tiny sprocket that like, you know, you could almost probably pedal it on flat ground, but maybe not. So there's lots of fake pedals out there. Um, I don't think that's going to help the industry at all. Uh, I think that's kind of just flouting, flouting the, the, the rule of law. Um, and then, uh, that name Zubu Dintu 47 says, I don't think so. There are a lot of electric scooters in that power range, uh, the 50cc as well. And then, uh, Renee Rose, Netherlands unfortunately needs registration as a moped, anything over 45 kilometers per hour. Getting a lot of uh, stuff from LinkedIn. Uh, Abiero Origa says, I have personally interacted with an electric cargo bike built with anywhere. Uh, Berlin and some of its features are speed modes one to five. You need to pedal it to activate the throttle. A single charge takes you through to 35 miles, has cargo area just in the middle. So that sounds pretty cool. Like I'd ride that. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Like, what's, what's the takeaway here? I think that this bike really pushes on two fronts, one being the uh, sort of legality of higher speed bikes and the second being design, that it really, you know, pushes both of those issues to have a nicely designed, attractive e-bike that brings us into new power levels. And if they can actually push the industry towards regulation for higher power e-bikes, I think that would be incredible. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. I agree. All right. Next story. Coming right up. The funky e-bike review. So this was a fun one. This was the DYU R1 electric bike. 
And so it's got the price right there in the headline, 999 bucks. Normally when you're under $1,000, you start to, to lose a lot of features, a lot of performance on e-bikes. You get into that value territory where, you know, there's, there's just not that many great bikes under $1,000. But this one actually kept a number of cool features. Now, the performance, it wasn't incredible. You know, it's still uh, 15 miles an hour because it's got that European limit of 25 kilometers per hour. The battery's fairly small because it's in the seat post, but it's actually got a functional torque sensor, which means that when you pedal it, you get immediate pedal assist response. It's not like the cheap cadence sensor where you have to get like a half turn or sometimes a full turn of the pedals before the pedal assist kicks in. So, you know, when you're at a stop, you just slightly press on the pedal and you feel the motor kick in and it's got some other cool features like those uh tail lights that are built right into the frame which seth i think you'll remember from the uh harley davidson serial one they had those cool tail lights built in there now that was like a you know four thousand dollar e-bike and this one you could buy four of those for that but it's cool to see some of those designs sort of trickle down into the more affordable e-bikes like this yeah um looks like an interesting bike how does it ride i think that's probably the number one question people would have because it is funky and it's a weird geometry yeah definitely so it was surprisingly nimble it's got a decent rake angle on the fork and it's got front suspension up there now obviously not the best suspension because you're not going to get incredible uh suspension for a thousand bucks but um it actually rides quite nicely i was doing you know mostly city style riding urban riding which is really what it's meant for. And so, um, you know, it's like a sort of a light, nimble uh, fold-up bike for the city. I think it works quite well. Now, it only folds at the handlebars, so it doesn't fold in the middle. It's probably not going to fit in the trunk of your car. I think you can see it here. But what's kind of cool is that the because the handlebars fold down, you can slide it like under a desk or just takes up less space in the corner of your apartment. And it actually will go flat against the wall because of that, because the handlebars don't stick out anymore and you don't lose that, you know, like six inches where it hangs off of the wall. Right. Uh, Suspension on this, uh, I imagine not amazing, but. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just like uh, front spring suspension. It's not incredible, but when you hit a pothole or something, it doesn't sort of like, you know, shake your wrists until the little, uh, uh, metacarpals fall out. And so it's, you know, a, an improvement over entirely rigid forks. And it, it doesn't feel like some of the super cheap ones. Like, uh, I think when I reviewed that, uh, GoTrax electric bike, the fork was really one of the negative qualities about it, that it just felt so cheap, like it was going to fall apart. This one didn't feel like it was that cheap. It just wasn't, you know, incredible or suspension. And then, um, what, what is that cable? What- the coil cable that goes up to the seat. What's that for? Is that just the light? So that's actually for the battery. The battery is held inside of the seat post. So uh, when you want to, you know, lock your bike outside, you can either uh, unplug the wire from the seat post and you can just take your battery and seat with you, which for anyone who's worried about getting their seat stolen is kind of a nice little feature. You just take it with you. Or if you want to leave it on the bike, you can lock the seat post. So if you, uh, uh, look at the lever or the uh, the clamp lever, I guess, on the seat post there. There's a little tubular lock. And so you've got an extra set of keys that'll lock it right there. And so you don't even have to take the battery off the bike, which is kind of a neat little feature because we've seen other e-bikes with seat post batteries, 
but they never locked before. So you had to take your seat with you when you went inside if you didn't want your battery getting stolen. Right. Well, that's interesting. I kind of thought the battery was in the uh, this oval thing right here. Um, yeah, that's what, what I first expected. But I, I think in there is the controller and just like a rat's nest of wires, I would imagine. Okay. Well, I mean, it looks like a pretty good package. Um, the the rear, rear rack looks pretty solid as well. Um, probably put some micro paneers on there. Yeah, I like the rear rack. The only downside that uh, I think I mentioned was that for some reason they gave a solid surface to the rack in, instead of like uh, wires or bars. Mm -hmm. So it would be harder to like, you know, zip tie something onto it or run like a bungee hook through it. You can sort of go around the, uh, the outer edges, but um, you know, it's not as useful oh, as yeah. a sort of like metal mesh uh, rack that we normally see. I mean, that's not for people to sit on, is it? No, I, I don't think you'd want to sit on the back of that. I don't think that would support, you know, a, an adult. Right. Maybe it's pretty, pretty low as well. Like your legs would be dragging back behind. Yeah, uh, you need roller skates. <laughs> All right. Well, that I mean, a thousand bucks. If you're if you're spending a thousand bucks, would you get this or a electric electric? Uh, bike. Uh, the electric XP. Yeah. So if I, if I was doing urban riding, I would get this one because I'd need something, you know, light, nimble, that sort of thing. If I wanted one bike that could do both urban and, you know, some light trails, or if, you know, I had like real bad streets and I wanted those fat tires, then I'd probably go for the electric XP. All right. And the electric XP, I think has a much more powerful motor. Uh, would that, like if there was a drag race between these two, a thousand oh, bike, a thousand dollar bike drag race, and you know, throw in the rad mission for 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 fun. Which one would win? So the electric XP would take all three of those, but it's a class three, so right. that's why it would win. But I think that for the first ten feet or so, this one, the DYUR one, might take it because it has the most uh, responsive pedal assist. Okay, interesting. All right, uh, we talked a little bit about Juiced earlier. Uh, we're now getting more information about the uh, juiced low cost rip racer, which to me, like I was kind of surprised they came in so low price. I mean, it's got most of the stuff of the, you know, the original Scorpion or the, or the, uh, um, the scrambler. So the scrambler. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what do you think? So, yeah, this has been, just a, a really interesting entry. Like you said, you know, it's, it's affordably priced. I think it starts at 1399 uh, for the 20 mile an hour version. And then they've got a, a class three, 28 mile per hour version that I believe is $1,599, which again, compared to the rest of the industry is quite reasonable. Yeah. And this was, this was neat because we got to actually go sort of behind the scenes and look at how production is going. The CEO of juice, Tora Harris, uh, he's real into YouTube, and so he's he's big on shooting these sort of like man on the ground videos that uh, go you know into the factory and actually show us what's going on, which I really appreciate because you know here we get to see the actual workers welding frames. We get to see how production's going. If you look at a lot of other e-bike companies, you know they'll give you an estimated date, and then that comes and goes, and you're wondering like you know what's going on over there. Are there even any bikes or? or as production started. And so with Juiced, they actually show you 
every step along the way. I mean, we see these bikes going into heat treatment. Uh, we see workers, you know, filling them with controllers and, and bolting motors on and stuff. And it's, it's really neat to get that kind of transparency from an e-bike company, I think. Yeah, it is cool. And, and Tor is really good at uh, kind of narrating the, uh, the process. Um, it's interesting, you know, he's got a, you know, interesting background, like Olympian, um, you know, spent some time obviously in, in both the U S and, and China. Um, so it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool situation there. Uh, when do, when do people expect to start getting these? So I think they still have the, uh, delivery date as either April or May, though they said that I think shipping should start next month. But I think they've left that long buffer in there because it's just so hard to predict how long boats are going to sit off of the coast of uh, Long Beach there. You know, there's like, you know, dozens and dozens of cargo ships just waiting in lines to unload. So even though they're shipping next month from China, they've left like two or three months of sort of buffer in there until they tell people that they're going to arrive at their doorstep. Yeah, and these look like a lot of fun, but, you know, they're not BMX bikes in the sense that uh, they're light by any stretch. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like copper and battery and just weight on these. Um, so, you know, I think one of the videos or the earlier videos had somebody doing a, a quick jump on them. I think these are more commuter bikes that look like BMX bikes. Does that sound right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, I think, somewhere in like the low 60 pound range. So you're right that they're, you know, not lightweight at all. Even those tires are a few pounds per tire to get those fat tires. So, you know, it's, this is sort of that in between, between, uh, you know, an urban commuter bike and something that you could reasonably take on trails and still feel pretty comfortable on, I think. Yeah. And this is also the debut of uh, Juice's new battery platform um which i think integrates into the the um the frame a little bit better but also uh looking at the the screen here um we're looking at a kind of charging slash is that a charging thing as well as a um like out power bank or the two yeah. separate things so um, there's sort of two models we're seeing here, but I think it might just be the same one in like a double housing, but okay. it is supposed to be both a charging dock and a like power bank accessory. So you can plug your charger into it and use it to more easily charge your battery. You just drop it in each day, or you could use it to power other devices. Like if you're going camping, you can, you know, run stuff off of your e-bike battery. It looks a little uh, chonky to bring camping i'm surprised it took so much uh space to turn it into something like that yeah well this is i guess you know first generation but you're right it's it's a bit of a of a large package there compared to what's already a quite large battery so i guess like one use case for this particular form factor would be you leave it at your house it's nice and easy to plug in your battery whatever but then when you're you know Hopefully it doesn't, but when your power goes out at home, uh, you can flip a switch on this and in, the battery goes from sucking down electrons to inverting electrons to, um, to uh, you know, 110 uh, outlets there. And you can plug in, you know, your refrigerator or furnace or whatever. 
Maybe yeah, not definitely. That. And it'll be interesting what the pricing is for this accessory, because if you're, if you're getting it for like emergency use, like you're talking about where you, you know, hope you don't need to use it, but the functionality is there, then that would be kind of an expensive product. But if it's not too expensive and you also use it as that really convenient charging dock, then maybe it, it makes it worth it. But e either way, it is really cool to see this technology coming to fruition because it's something we've talked about as a possibility for years, but we've never seen a manufacturer actually provide the technology. Yeah, and, and I just saw, um, if you look really close, um, he's putting in a 19.2 uh, amp hour battery, which I don't think the is offered on the... Um, on the, uh, the rip racer rip racer right i think the um higher spec version comes with it the oh, it. um class three version i believe it does but okay. uh i'm not positive but they, i know they do have both the 19.2 and the 15 amp hour batteries and then the other cool thing about these batteries is they're backwards compatible so uh any other e-bike that you have from juice that runs 52 volt batteries you can actually get these new ones and it'll fit into those bikes really yeah. So, oh, I didn't know that. Um, so these will fit into my Hyperscorpion. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a cool feature. They made it backwards compatible. Wow. Uh, great job there. I I wasn't even expecting that as a possibility because they, they look totally different, but good on them. Yeah, it's nice right. to see a company actually go above and beyond like that. You just assume nothing's backwards compatible these days. Right, right. Yeah, That. that's... Uh, that's another, but it wouldn't be forward compatible. Like the ones that I have now won't work on the, the, the newer bikes, right? I'm not sure. They Even if they do, they probably wouldn't want to advertise that because they want you to get the new yeah. battery. But I think it must have a compatible, um, you know, lower part of the battery because it fits into the receptacle. Right. It must be similar. Maybe there's there's a finagling. Well, we'll keep an eye yeah. on that. So we're hoping to get a review in March or April, something like that. Yeah, I mean we're we're on the review list. It just depends when these bikes finally arrive. Right, the boat comes in. All right, uh, a new Fido T1 electric cargo bike um, that looks remarkably similar. I don't can't remember where I've seen this before. Uh, channels a famous e-bike yet adds several key upgrades. So yeah, yeah. So this one, if you look at it and you don't know that it's the new Fido bike for a second, you might think you're looking at a Rad Runner from Rad Power Bikes. It is quite similar in the frame style and the rear rack and the wheel size and pretty much, you know, everything structurally about it sort of channels that Rad Runner look. And we've seen other Rad Runner knockoffs before. Uh, we've seen some that are basically like, you know, one-to-one -one carbon copies. But in this case... While there's a lot of sort of similarity, Fido actually added a number of key features that you don't find on the uh, base Rad Runner. In addition to that suspension fork that you see and the suspension saddle and suspension seat post, there are also those sort of juiced style mag wheels. So you don't have any spokes to worry about. Uh, it comes standard with that front rack, the or front basket rather. The rear rack there is actually much lower than on the Rad Runner, which uh, would actually make it a little more comfortable to carry cargo around. It probably would not work as well for passengers because uh, you know they'd be sitting quite low and there's nowhere for them to put their feet. 
which is I think why the Rad Runners got such a high rack to make it more comfortable right. for passengers. Um, it's got uh, I think that's a seven-speed transmission, and it even goes faster. So it's a class three bike up to uh, 28 miles per hour or 45 kilometers per hour. So while it's I don't know if I'd call it a ripoff of the Rad Runner, but while it certainly is inspired by the Rad Runner, they at least you know, added a number of features to differentiate it, which I can appreciate. Yeah, so for specs, uh, we got a uh, 48-volt, 20-amp-hour battery, so coming up on uh, a kilowatt hour there. Um, what is the motor? I believe it's 750. And is it 750 wink-wink, or is it, like, do you know if it's, uh, those kind of look like the uh, the juiced, uh you know, with the mag wheels built in. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's got those uh, juiced style. Um, I don't think it's quite the same. But um, yeah, and if you pull that slider on that picture there, you can actually sort of compare it one-to-one uh, -to, -one to the, the Rad Runner. So you can see sort of where the, the inspiration obviously comes from, but some key differences. Yeah, there's definitely, there's, <laughs> there's definitely uh, some inspiration there. Yeah, I, I think if they tried to say like, no, it's a completely different bike, it, it would be hard to buy that. Right. But I can also, <laughs> yeah, at least I can see, you know, where they would defend themselves and say, no, look at all these differences because there, yeah, there certainly are some differences. Yeah, and there are you know improvements if you're you know for different use cases. Um, right. So and just the the speed alone, I mean, going, you know, 28 miles per hour instead of 20 is, is a big difference right there. Yeah. Um, it's weird. The basket with the light looks a little weird, but I guess that's, uh, you get, you get some more storage up there uh, and it's built in. So that's nice. And the light obviously is built in, um, which is, which is also good. Um, what about that battery? Is that easy to pull in and out? Is that, it's got a handle, I guess. Yeah, so the saddle actually flips up. It's got one of those little like quick uh, release uh, levers underneath it. So it tips forward 90 degrees and then you can pull the battery straight up, it looks like. Yeah, so that might be another benefit. It does have this wood uh, thing, which kind of indicates that uh, maybe somebody could sit back there. Somebody with very short legs. <laughs> yeah, short legs and maybe bring a pillow to sit on, but, uh, right. um, the wood looks nice though. I'll, I'll give them that. I, I always like seeing wood incorporated on bikes cause it just looks so classy. And what's the price here? It's 1599, which is okay. uh, pretty reasonable for what you're getting actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and rad just recently raised the price on their rad runners. Um, you know, those had originally started around 1199 or 1299. Yeah, I think they started at eleven ninety nine. They got up to twelve ninety nine at one point, um, and then yeah, with the recent price increase, they're up to fourteen ninety nine. So only a hundred bucks cheaper than the Fido. And you know, at first, I want to say, wow, you get so much more for that hundred bucks. But then at the same time, there are things that you know Fido can't give you, like you know Rad's uh, customer support team, which is over like a hundred people at this point. Their um, Rad mobile service. Which actually, if you scroll down, I recently got a Rad Runner two to review, and it showed up just like that at my house. You know, oh, so cool. there's a, a you know a lot of value there to having 
a company that can actually send employees right to your driveway and, you know, work on your bike or assemble it for you, that sort of thing. So uh, while I'm impressed with the the price of the Fido T1, there's more to Rad Power Bikes than just, you know, the sticker price that, that a smaller company can't match with, when it comes to this kind of service and support. Yeah. And, you know, there are some nice things about the Rad Runner as well. You mentioned, um, you know, the higher, the higher uh, bar for easier sitting on, but, you know, also you have the, the kickstand um, and the tires on the Fido, are they the same size? Cause I know Rad has a kind of a weird two and a half inch uh, wide tire there. Yeah. The, I think they're four inch tires on the, okay. on the T1. Okay. So definitely some differences. Good to have options. Um, I like it. I think it's a, a neat looking bike, um, but it would be hard oh. for me to like, pass up a rat as well yeah yeah absolutely no they did you know take the design from a nice looking bike so they right. got a good start there <laughs> good, good start for sure all right yamaha is launching launches it's striking new electric scooter that uses gogoro's swappable batteries uh the internet's not terribly fast right now for some reason but here comes the, the post all right yeah so uh it's always cool to see these Gogoro batteries being incorporated in more and more scooters because the the batteries, they're each, I think, a little over uh, one kilowatt hour. Um, I need to see what the, the latest capacity is. But they're a swappable battery solution that pretty much any manufacturer can incorporate into their own electric scooter. And this is Yamaha's newest scooter that incorporates it. This is the EMF model but they've done it before with another model in 2019. So it's great to see these large companies partnering with Gogoro because Gogoro's batteries are just like a really slick swappable battery solution. And it means that all these other companies can really leapfrog into the electric scooter space without having to spend so much time and, and resources developing their own batteries. You know, why reinvent the wheel if there's already a great solution out there? So that's, exactly what Go, uh, Gogoro and Yamaha did here was they sort of expedited this really cool scooters development by just, you know, incorporating the Gogoro battery platform into it. Now, I think it's only available in Taiwan to begin with, but it's Yamaha and they obviously have a global reach. So it's, uh, it doesn't take, you know, a leap to imagine these coming to other countries fairly soon. Yeah, and, and Gogoro's got these swap stations in Taiwan and I think some other, maybe Berlin or something. Um, it, it's just kind of interesting because Gogoro also makes scooters. And I wonder if Yamaha's worried that like, hey, you know, somewhere down the line, we're going to be competing against the company that makes our batteries. Like, you kind of want to own that that part of the, the supply chain. Right. What I gather from each time I talk to Gogoro is that they almost consider themselves more of a, a battery company and an energy company than a scooter company. And you're right, they do make their own scooters. They make pretty awesome ones. But I think that, you know, if they had to choose between the two, they'd rather see their batteries spread all over the world as a power solution than just be a scooter manufacturer. And based yeah. on their recent uh, partnerships, it seems like that's really the direction they're expanding in because they partnered with uh, Hero in India to have their batteries go into Hero's uh, vehicles. And Hero's the largest motorcycle manufacturer in the world. 
Um, they partnered with um, Yadea, I believe, and DJC or DCJ, two um, Chinese companies that are also very large uh, scooter manufacturers. And then they also just partnered with a company in Indonesia, with which uh, China, India, and Indonesia are the three largest motorcycle markets in the world. So they really seem to be pushing their batteries as a power solution, as opposed to just exporting their scooters. Now, when you license or when you use a Gogoro battery, do you also like have to get their controller and their box? Or is it just like, here's the spec of the battery, go crazy? It's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. I think they have different levels of sort of incorporating their technology because they do have their, um, I think it's the clean drive or, or flow drive, something like that. I need to look up the exact term, but they have their own, you know, uh, drivetrain that incorporates the motor and the controller and everything. But I also think that some companies can just use their batteries if they already have their own uh, drivetrain solution. And those batteries are big, but they're not that big. I wonder if they would fit on a, uh, you know, like a, a, a hyper scorpion or some, some type of bike that was, you know, bike sharing type of type of thing. Is that something they've considered at all? I haven't heard any bicycle talk from, from Gogoro. I think it could be done. They're a little bit bulky. They're about, I would say like six or seven inches square. I actually have one kind of behind me. I don't know if there it is. Uh, there. So it's, it's not uh, terribly large, but I mean, it's, it's a bit wider than a typical bike. So I think that it, it would be a bit of a design um, challenge to make it work on a, on a bicycle and not be in the way of the pedals, that sort of thing. Yeah. I wonder if maybe you could stick it behind the, yeah, you're right. But I was thinking behind the uh, seat, like the, uh, the bike we just saw, the Fido. Um, yeah. But yeah, it would still impede with the pedals probably. I think well, the right cool. designer could find a creative solution. Yeah. Well, we hope to see Gogoro uh, stateside or, you know, ex expanding everywhere. They don't have any plans for that, do they? I haven't heard any yet, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they're working on it. I mean, it's it's becoming a much larger market, the U.S., so I can see it on their radar. Yeah, it seemed weird. Uh, I, I interviewed their CEO like five, six years ago at CES. And it seemed like imminent at that point, but I guess things change. All right, we're looking at a new Swedish stylish Regent or RGNT re retro-themed electric motorcycle which is now available for order in the U.S. I like it. Yes. So these are really neat looking. I mean, they're very retro-themed electric motorcycles, and it's taken Regent a few years. I think we first started covering them in 2019, uh, you know, like well before the pandemic started. And the design has gone through a few iterations, but I really like where it's at now. It's It's got that sort of like retro 60s, 70s motorcycle styling, but the performance isn't um, what we normally see with these, you know, low power retro inspired motorcycles. The thing still goes, I think, like 75 miles an hour or something like 125 kilometers per hour. Uh, it's got a similar range, about 75 miles or, or 125 kilometers. And so they, they've really created a bike that can do dual purpose as both a, an urban commuter and some short highway jaunts if you really needed to get onto a highway. You know, you wouldn't be stuck only on city roads sort of thing. And so it, yeah, go ahead. And this is a full motorcycle. You need a motorcycle license. There's no like 
pedal kit or moped license or whatever. This is the real deal. Yeah, this is definitely the real deal. And, um, you know, it, it makes sense that they obviously started in Europe because their uh, motorcycle commuting is a lot more common. And, uh, you know, for a Swedish company, they they started in their, their backyard. And I think they've got a lot of orders in Germany as well. But now that they're opening orders in the U.S., it means that what is uh, a market with very few options is certainly becoming a lot more interesting now. Because, you know, in addition to Regent, we're looking at some other companies coming in, um, New, Suron, um, there are a few others as well on the way from uh, both Asia and Europe. So we're starting to see some, some interesting options come to the U.S., but this is certainly one of the more design savvy ones, I would say, because it just, it looks so slick, you know, it, it really looks like uh, it was just taken out of a time machine from 50 years ago. And, you know, I guess like <clears throat> if you're, if you've been reading us and you've seen the Saunders Metacycle and, and some other bikes that were probably in the same, um, you know, like can go on a highway, not really meant to go on a highway. Um, this, this is priced a little bit higher than what you'd probably expect if, you know, the $5,000 Metacycle was something we're thinking about. This is starts at 12,500 12, and goes up another thousand for there for the, uh, number one scrambler that is trail optimized right this one has uh nearly twice as much battery as the metacycle so okay you are getting a little more for what you pay for um though also the metacycle is up to i think it's six thousand or sixty five hundred now so it's also you know the price is rising right. and that doesn't include uh, a few other fees to actually get it to your door i'm not sure if this includes you know final shipping but this is certainly a premium over um, something like uh, the Metacycle. And it'll probably still be priced above the new uh, when it uh, comes out, the new RQI, which uh, I think was going to be somewhere in like the seven to $8,000 range. But, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. So 11 kilowatt rear hub motor. Um, that's That's kind of, it's not super powerful, but it's, it's a little bit more powerful than uh, the other bikes we've seen kind of in this category. Yeah. It's, it's really that sort of um, mid mid range gap filler bike in something like the 125 to 250 CC equivalent range, more than a, an urban city bike, but certainly not something that you could, you know, just pound all day Canyon carving, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it looks nice. I, I think uh, it kind of competes also with, um, hopefully the, the gas powered equivalents there's some from uh, uh janice out there that are you know like low low production numbers but like you see them every once in a while this would be nice to see out there um we, yeah, should, definitely. we should look back into the uh the comments here um let's see we went to the cargo bike uh new is one brand uh for scooters the juice hyperscorpion can be registered as a moped in some places. Um, is that true that Hyperscorpion can be registered as a moped? So this usually varies state to state. And one of the holdups is often a VIN. So if you can get a, uh, a VIN for a Scorpion, which I don't think you can, you know, they have frame right. numbers um, in them, but that usually doesn't count as like a uh, NHTSA registered VIN. But some 
states, you might be able to register without it. You know, some might have these sort of low speed moped uh, categories. Generally, I, I haven't heard of very many people getting away with with registering a Scorpion or Hyper Scorpion legally. Yeah, and they but they do have the license plate holder kind of thing in the back. I wonder if that's uh, I wonder if that's uh, kind of for show or they're thinking forward. You're gonna have bins. Yeah, I think lots of times it's just what you can get away with at the DMV. I know when I was in Boston, I saw tons of these uh, definitely not street legal imported Chinese motorcycles that were like 50 cc, and uh, they had. Uh, been registered and had moped stickers on them. And so I think it, it really comes down to like, if the person at the DMV that day really cares to check out whether this thing is, is, um, you know, registered with the NHTSA. Uh, I actually tried to get a moped sticker for my CSC city slicker when I was in Boston. And I think the limit for those was um, either 30 or 35 miles an hour in Boston to be a moped. And they actually like checked it when I tried to register went online and saw that it went higher than that and didn't let me register it as a moped, which is the right thing to do. You know, I figured if I could get away with it, I'd try, but right. it really, I think comes down to how much they care and check at the DMV. Yeah. All right. Uh, John Jose Garcia Molina says, I tried a van move and it had a boost button that worked while pedaling. Same as the go cycle. It was a nice smooth ride with automatic gear changing. Yeah, the Van Move is a pretty interesting vehicle. If they can, like, if that company can kind of pull it together, they might, they might really run away with it because there's so much cool technology that they build in, and their prices are not insane. So, yeah, definitely have some respect for Van Move. Yeah, I used to think of them as like an underpowered uh, cycle, and they're definitely not overpowered. But um, the the S3 kind of changed my mind a little bit. Uh, Lou Nguyen says, I have a juiced cross current X and I love, love it. Cross currents are the bigger, um, you know, like 26 inch wheel, um, versions of, uh, the bikes. It's weird. Juice started out as building mostly like normal sized bikes, but it feels like lately they, they focusing on the 20 inch wheels. Yeah, it's, it's been a pretty popular trend. So I think they're, you know, chasing the, the trends for sure. Yeah. Saad Mahmood says, great. I've shared link in my group. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Stefan Frakshire says, what is the volt and amp on a GoGoRo battery? You got the specs on that? That's a good question. I, Go I don't. It's on your wall. So <laughs> that, one's, that one's technically just the shell of a battery, to be honest. There's no battery in it. That would be a waste not to, you know, to have a used a good battery on your wall. So that's good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have uh, to check on the specs on that. I think there's something like uh, more than a kilowatt, but less than two kilowatts. Something like that. Yeah. I think I want to say it was like 1.3 or 1.5 kilowatt hours, but uh, yeah. over time, I think they've increased in capacity. Okay. Uh, that's all the comments. So ooh, I, I missed one. The juiced Juice website says, says you can get a VIN. Huh. All right, we might that's, have to that's news that. to me. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back here in two weeks. Uh, make sure you uh, do all the things. Hit the hit the bell. Hit the subscribe. Do all, um, if you're in a podcast app, make sure to like and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you uh, in two weeks. Take care. Mm -hmm.